0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School, here's your host, David Riepstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Riepstein, a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and I'm in studio with my co-host, and PhD candidate of marketing and business ethics here at the Wharton School, Sunil Betty. Sunil, welcome. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here, Dave. Glad to be here. You've been gone for a couple weeks, but it's nice to have you back in the studio with me.
1: I've been traveling a little bit here and there around the country, but it's really nice to be back.
0: Well, it is a pleasure to see you in here. And lots and lots and lots of stuff has been going on.
1: Ooh, A lot of stuff happened today, too. This is an interesting day, interesting, uh, interesting week. We've got holiday season coming up. Uh, it's great. It's yeah, great.
0: and and so there, there. You know, you mentioned the holiday season. I know we're going to be having on the radio show a special Black Friday uh, session where we're going to have the you know heads of marketing from Kohl's and from Best Buy and retail me not and Mall of America that's gonna be with us. Wonderful. Uh, somebody from Forrester that's gonna be with us talking about Black Friday. We got all sorts of stuff that's Wonderful. going on with that. Wonderful. So, so that ought to be really, really good. good and so. we're just coming
1: out of the midterm election. Oh yeah. So a lot of interesting yeah. things happening Lo- there. Lots and of things. It's interesting to see the market
0: Oh, the market's responding. collapsing today. What it's happened? it's what has like happened over today? 600 points, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of partly, I think it's re- in response to a lot of the political turmoil that's happening, I have to think. Well, one of um, the
0: things is all this uh, what's what's happening with oil hmm. and a possible um, slowdown in production of oil, oh, and so absolutely. oil prices going down, and so OPEC had been talking about uh, reducing oil, and so and, you know I'm not a macro economist, but I'll tell you that, <laughs> that that will have a huge impact, sure. and I know that's part sure. of what's going on. But speaking of of the Black Friday and holiday season yeah. that's going on, yesterday was. Uh, Singles Day. Oh yes, it was. So uh, what's Singles Day? i I'm, I think
1: Singles Day is a celebration of people who are not in relationships. I want to say, Dave. Well,
0: you're single, and <laughs> something like that. And yeah. So something you're something like that, <laughs> but you're single, and we. Uh, but Singles Day is is a, a day that's recognized within China. Ah. And it's a big shopping day. Oh. So how big is the shopping day? Well, Alibaba. I uh, just had their singles day sales. They run okay. all these promotions. It's the Black Friday of China. Right. So, in the first minute, first minute, in the first minute, they registered a billion dollars worth in of sales. In one minute. In the first minute. Wow. And so, over the whole day, it didn't couldn't keep that pace up, but they did over 30 billion dollars worth of sales. 30 billion dollars? 30 billion. So, that's really, going to be a record, really amazing. Uh, it has
1: to be a record Alibaba. Yeah.
0: And so, another thing that's happened that I want us to be sure and talk about is that um, this deal that's gone on with Amazon and Apple, which you have a, a question mark all over your face I so do. I can tell you've been traveling I again because you missed this. So don't we this are going to have minimalist. to talk about that, but we're going to do that in the latter part of the program. Okay. Uh, now. In a minute. Um, and, and because let me tell you what it is that's happened, Okay. Um, is that uh, Apple agreed that they will start selling directly through Amazon. Really? And so that's a huge change. That's a huge change. And, and But they did it with the stipulation. And the stipulation is that Amazon has got to stop listing third-party resellers. So, of, of Apple products? Uh, of, of Apple products. So this is wow. people that are taking used uh, phones and uh, used watches and, used, uh, yeah, yeah. and you've got to stop using them unless they meet certain apple criteria. Mm, right, right. So, so like that's authorized a, 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 so that's a huge sort. impact that's going on with that. Wow. Them. Yeah.
1: That's very inter- that's super cool.
0: That no, that's really really interesting to, to see that. And uh, we have a caller today as well. We do. Okay. We do? We have a, we have our guest. We have a that's, guest. That's why that's I mean. we, so we have a caller. So you sort of surprised me with that. <laughs> We're going to get to our callers later, but we have our guest on with us. So we should talk about that cuz you and I could go on forever as we typically yeah. do. So who is our guest today? Our, our guest today is Carl Wirth, who is the CEO and founder of EverGage. He's going to be with us in the first half of the program, then in the second uh, half of the program. We're going to open the lines up to talk about anything Absolutely. related to marketing, um, branding, marketing measurement. We'll do all of that. We are going to go back and talk a little bit more about the Amazon-Apple deal, yeah, sure. which I think is huge. Maybe talk a little bit about Black Friday. i got a whole bunch of topics I'd like for us to be talking about. So. Glad to have you in the program to to, be uh, for us to talk about. If you want to give us a call, you can call us at 1-844-WARDEN. That's 1-844-942-7866. And you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can even follow us on Twitter at biz, that's B-I-Z Radio 132. But without further ado, let's talk to Carl Wirth, who's the CEO and founder of EverGage. And he's also the author of an award-winning book, One-to-One Personalization in the Age of Machine Learning. So, Carl, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. So, tell us a little bit about your background and what you were doing before you ever started Evergage. Ever-Gage.
2: Yeah, sure. I've been a long-term product and marketing executive at Boston-area software companies. So, I've alternated between startups and, and big companies. I started out at a .com, then went to RSA Security, then to a smaller company, Centillion, that got bought by Microsoft, and then to Red Hat, which got recently bought by IBM.
0: Wow, and then how, what sort of led you to start EverGage? And then go ahead and tell us what EverGage is all about.
2: Sure, so while I was at Red Hat, I was working together with my co-founder, who's now EverGage's CTO, on a, a bunch of big trends that were happening at the time. This was about eight, nine years ago. So cloud computing, big data, machine learning, some real-time technologies. And we felt like those four trends, each on their own, could have been a big enough trend to start a company around. But if you multiplied them together, we, we thought it was really significant. So we actually started with a technical trend, not with a business problem, which I think is fairly unusual as you're starting a company, but said, okay, if, you're, if you think about those four things, what what are they going to change? What do we have an opportunity to deliver significantly more value to companies with? And the thing that we quickly realized was, well, what's most important to a company? What's at the heart of any business? It's their customers. Companies have struggled to understand their prospects and customers in a digital world with the volume of data, um, with the ability to relate to them. So we said, let's apply cloud computing, big data machine learning in real time to that problem. And we went out and looked at what others were doing there, and felt like the leaders in the, in the space, the uh, leading companies you think of in this area, Adobe, Salesforce, were really quite behind. So we quit our jobs, and I started consulting to um, to pay the bills. We got some angel money and started building Evergage.
0: And uh, Evergage is 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 doing what? Doing the personalization.
2: That's right. Yeah. So we are a personalization and customer data platform, meaning we take deep behavioral data. So what people are doing on, on websites and mobile apps and email, combine that together with all the other things you might know about them from business, apply machine learning to it, and then use that to personalize. So um, change their experience, change your engagement with them. So it's relevant to them as a person. And were businesses, were,
0: with, were businesses okay. asking you for this or is this something that you thought you recognized the opportunity and then you had to educate the businesses of this?
2: Well, when we started, we were not in that space, so we, it was a recognize the opportunity side. But uh, as we left our jobs, that was the case. But very quickly, as we were starting on the idea and, and prototyping it out, we were talking to companies who were very thirsty for something like that. And
0: so um, what kind of businesses are you really targeting?
2: It's quite broad. Classically, when you think of personalization, you might think of product recommendations you know, for retailers. And we do that kind of thing. We work with folks like Walmart Mexico and Academy Sports. But what has been very interesting over the past eight years is how broadly businesses are interested in personalization. So we're working with brands like Carhartt or Movado or tech companies like Lenovo or Citrix, financial service firms, gaming sites like Publisher's Clearinghouse. It's actually quite broad. Everyone's wanting to, to personalize.
0: So if we're going to talk about personalization, then I wonder, and I got to ask you the hard question that I'm sure everybody asks you, but I, I've got to ask it, which is sort of the distinction between nice that you're personalizing versus creepy. That uh, yes. Hey, you know what? You know my name and what? You know what it is I'm looking at. Uh, first of all, how do we draw that distinction? How do you balance those?
2: That's a great question. I'm glad you got it out up front and let's just address it. Sure. I think fundamentally business is about building relationships with your prospects, with your customers and a good relationship is, you know, think of your marriage or a significant other, right? A good relationship is built by listening to people, by understanding what motivates them, what their goal is. And then, you know, in business, you're trying to engage with them to help them achieve that goal. That's fundamentally what you're trying to do. Sometimes you have the product or service that can help them. Sometimes you don't. Um, And so, that that is what we're trying to do in personalization and so if i always make that analogy to a human relationship you know in a, in a in a store a good store clerk is watching you not bugging you but if you look confused coming over to help if if they see you pick up a blue shirt and hold it over you for a while and um you grape it you know come to you and saying okay you know I, I see you're looking for that one we have some others like it right that's helpful um Similarly, in, in any, any situation, we know what a helpful human relationship is. And we just apply those same principles to um, digital interactions, and you're in, in a good shape. If you're looking to use people's data to manipulate them, to bother them when they don't want to be bothered, that's unhelpful. But if you're looking to use your understanding of them, you're building a real relationship to help and serve them then that is helpful and people appreciate
0: So I, I believe that's really, really helpful. And so I'm a big, big advocate of all that personalization. But I know there are some people that find it's a little bit creepy. So um, I'll give you an example, a specific example. Earlier today, I was uh, looking at flights to San Diego and trying to see about booking a flight to San Diego. I didn't have time to complete that, so I dropped off and – Went and did some of my other work. Suddenly, I started getting emails about interested in a flight to San Diego, and it was you know not just random. They were picking San Diego. Is that the type of customization or personalization you're talking about?
2: Well, I have a question. Was that from the company that you had been searching for? You know, like the the travel agency, or was that some other companies or other uh, folks?
0: Yeah, I'll be specific. It was from American Airlines. And so I had, okay. been, I had been on American yeah. Airlines and American Airlines suddenly sent that to me. Uh, but I've also experienced it when I've gone on Expedia and suddenly, you know, I get bombarded with, you know, interested in a flight too, And that came from Expedia, but then it also came from hotels and where it is I was looking for.
2: Yeah, so I would I would say that, first of all, it's, it's a um, positive, it's not the worst experience in that. What I think is quite unfortunate is when your information is then sold to other people, right? So if you're suddenly right. getting emails from someone who hadn't done business at all, I think we could all agree, wow, that's that's a problematic for me. The fact that it's coming from American Airlines or Expedia and you were doing business with them, they're trying to personalize you. They're trying to uh, leverage the data that you've given to, to be helpful. Um, so I can't fault them for that. But I would say that the fact that it ultimately felt unhelpful to you – automatically implies that it was not done well and I would even argue was it actually personalization so okay they know that you were looking for San Diego and they're sending you an email about San Diego I guess that's personalized but was it actually adding value to you was it was it saying to you something like hey the prices have really dropped because they know that you're on the price page and then you left that might actually start getting helpful but if it was just bugging you to do something that you didn't feel like doing that's you know, beyond helpful to just annoying. That's how I would characterize
1: it. W- w- one thing I think that will help us think through this, through this issue of personalization is, is how granular, uh, at least do you guys at Evergage? Evergage, How granular do you, do you define the consumer? Is the consumer, you know, uh, is it Dave who is a male, who is a marketing professor who's looking for this, who has this income level, or is it just, you know, somebody in Philadelphia who is looking for a flight? So how do you think about, you know, when you say personalization, how personal is it really getting?
2: It, it, with our solution, it's configurable by our client, whether they want to do things at the segment level or the you know so groups of people or the, we call it one-to-one or the personal level. Um, but generally, we do do things at the personal level as an individual. So we'd be building up a profile of Dave. And the reason is because you are, you know, you mentioned a few things. You're in Philadelphia, you know, you're a, a male, et cetera. That's awfully broad. And so if I'm gonna be changing a website experience or sending an email or, or the like um, to you based off of that, it's not going to be that helpful. And then we're not gonna have that good a relationship, even if now I was relating to you as a male from Philadelphia instead sure. of Dave who's a professor of war, You know, we have a very different kinds of kind of conversation. So we believe that by getting down to that individual level, um, you can have a much, much more relevant interaction and build a better relationship.
0: So the, then I, I think it is, uh, it, again, I think it's fairly useful when you're doing that. I think it's very, very useful when you're doing that. And there is that, sort of this balance. So what have been some of your best examples, and how has it had an impact on uh, on sort of conversion?
2: Sure. So let me start with an example on a website because I think that's maybe the easiest for us to think about, which is with one of our clients, Lenovo, and they shared this at our recent personalization summit. Some of their experiences. So you think about Lenovo; they offer a wide variety of products, but let's talk about um, core you know, computers. Um, and they have many different segments, but let's talk about two that um, that they were thinking about. So a student versus a gamer. You know, again, you might be uh, at twenty year old in Philadelphia or, you know, let's say in Boston where I am, and you're, um, you know, are you a student or are you looking for computing for student purposes or for as a, as a hardcore gamer? Um, prior to, to EverGage, those two groups of people would come to the same homepage, right? They'd see all the, some pop-selling products maybe, you know, sort of a banner because it's coming up on holidays or something about holidays, et cetera. And, You know, they would have to hunt and peck to try to find what was most relevant to them. With EverGage, um, the gamer sees a gaming-aligned banner, you know, with with talking about um, the use of Lenovo for gaming, gaming gaming-related content about the speed of video processing, accessories like headsets, and even products that are personalized to that particular person based off maybe what they bought before or what they've shown interest in. Whereas the student sees, you know, student-aligned stuff there as well. So really different experiences for a gamer and student. It even goes further. So suppose the gamer clicks on, you know, a particular computer. Um, that when they look at that um, product page for that uh, computer, they Evergage will show them the tech specs at the top because our algorithms that figure out that uh, gamers generally want to read the tech specs first. Whereas the student who clicks generally wants to read the um, reviews, and so they'll see the reviews first. So quite personalized throughout that flow of what, what we're talking to them about, what we're showing, and how their experience goes.
0: So for Lenovo, how did that change their sales? Did uh, Were they able to sort of measure that, boy, when we started doing this level of personalization, we ended up seeing you know a, a, a jump. Uh, I noticed yes. on your website, for example, you had Rulala, um, who's been run by a former uh, student and TA of mine and it said uh, revenue uh, went up by 15%. Well, let's take the Lenovo example you just mentioned. Um, can you share with us, did it have an impact on their revenue and their ability to convert customers?
2: Yes, absolutely, and, and we feel like with this kind of thing, because again, we're mostly working in digital, you should always be measuring, always be testing, this absolutely, kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. As you shared with the Law example, and generally we see clients Increasing they can increase their overall revenue 10-15 percent. I'm not at Liberty to give Lenovo's overall impact for this But they had particular campaigns like the ones that that I described that increased uh, Conversion and revenue from those campaigns from those targeted groups by more than 50% by talking with to them with that kind of realm
0: more than 50% Yeah
2: for that segment, you know for that For those those students, but that's
0: incredible. That's amazing. It is, yeah. So, but, but think
2: about it. Like, I come to this generic computer company, or I come to this company that caters to to me. It's it's that kind of a difference.
0: Right. I, I love it. That That's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, so with that statement, let me remind our audience, you're listening to Measure Thoughts on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And we're currently speaking with Carl uh, Wirth, and apparently he is Wirth, a lot because he's got a company that he founded and is now the CEO of called Evergage and he's the author of the award-winning book one-to-one personalization in the age of machine learning and you can give us a call at one 844 Wharton. that's 1-844-942-7866 Carl tell us a little bit about your book and what it is are the major takeaways from
2: your book Sure, so we felt like this is a growing space it's It's something that everyone is interested in. when I go and talk to a CMO or a VP of marketing or and cio they want to personalize, but there' are a wide variety of understanding of how of what it means, how it works um, the, the details of it, how they could make it happen for their business so we wanted to write a book to enable um people to get smarter about it, particularly the machine learning aspect of it. I think people are pretty familiar with targeting segments of people, but how do you actually leverage machine learning to do this and how do you do it as a business person, not you know as a, as a data scientist? And so that's the main focus of the book is a lot, laying out the history of, of personalization and then getting into what's happening now with machine learning, how can organizations
0: yeah, machine learning, I think, has added a lot and certainly in the ability to process tons of data uh, that are out there without any question about it. You know, for any of our listeners that are out there and are running a small business uh, or actually any size business, you might be interested in trying to find out how it is that personalization process works and how EverGage can actually help you in that process. So, Please do give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So let me let me continue with uh, with this, if I could, uh, Carl. Which is, um, you talked about doing this sort of uh, online for a website. This is this also being applied uh, with mobile apps as well, and um, and with emails?
2: Yes, that's a really important point. If you're talking about ultimately what personalization is, is building relationships by understanding people and treating them as individuals. They don't really care that your business is um, switching channels from now that you're talking to them in a website versus an email versus mobile app. They're just thinking, oh, I'm doing business with Lenovo. I'm doing business with with, um, whichever company it is. And so um, really essential to keep that conversation going across channels. So here I'll I'll tell you another story of um, another company which is invaluable. Um, which is um, the world's leading online marketplace for fine art, antiques, collectibles—you know, kind of like a Sotheby's online—and they're, so they're connecting buyers and sellers together for for auctions. And um, if you think about that, you know, immediately I think it's clear how important personalization is to a business like this. You you might be very interested in, you know, colonial America um, antique furniture, whereas you know I might like. Delft Pottery or, or something, right? People have very different interests. And so um, prior to EverGage, they had a homepage that was one size fits all. And, but thanks to us, uh, sort of my invaluable homepage where you would see relevant auctions, products, categories, et cetera, um, that are relevant to you. And I would see the same for me. So how does that then translate beyond the website? Well, so they're sending people emails um, different kinds of emails. Uh, let's start talking a little bit like you got from American Islands. So they're sending batch emails every week, um, every day with upcoming auctions to, to their whole list. Um, so they started personalizing those again with EverGage so that just like just like the homepage, rather than saying, here are a bunch of upcoming auctions or here are a bunch of upcoming auctions in your area or the like, they would say, here are a bunch of upcoming things that are relevant to you. We've got these new auctions. We've got these Categories of things we've got this um, these products all the same things in that email. So as they send out one an email to a million people, each of those million feels like they have an email just for them. Carl, and similarly with their mm-hmm. mo- mobile app as
1: Sure, sure. No, Carl, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that we've been talking a lot about uh, uh, you know how this this your product now this process helps can help consumers you know better find services and products. Tailored to their needs. Do you also think about it from a business perspective? Do you think about tailoring services or products from a business-to-business perspective? And if you do, you know who are you? Who is it personalized to? Is it sales, the CEO? How do you think about marketing to a business versus a consumers? Is there differences there? Or can you take us through that analysis?
2: Yeah. So it's a great question. Yeah, we've been very B2C focused. So as you think about B2B, the big difference is that you're have multiple people who are involved in that customer relationship. If you're trying to build a relationship with a customer, well, the customer isn't just a person it's two people, 10 people, a hundred people at a company and ultimately that company. And so you need to be building up that understanding, which is that first part of building a relationship at that customer level, as well as at the uh, people level. Um, And so, EverGage is, is doing doing that as well. We have many B2B clients, and they're, they're using us to help them understand their customer at the company level, as well as people within it, and then talk with relevance to both and leveraging both sets of understanding. So let me give an example, because that's awfully hard. Awful. Yeah, that's going to so, help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Citrix is a customer of ours, um, and so they sell a wide variety of, of products and services. Uh, for instance, to, to security, um, let's talk about their security suite of products. And so, let's just start simple. You know, on their website, people are going to the website and they're trying to um, research um, these products uh, to, to potentially buy them. And so, from Citrix's perspective, they want to understand. The individual who's coming, you know, maybe it's a CTO versus a security engineer, you might have a very different conversation with them based off of that, just like a good salesperson would differentiate there. Um, but also, they want to understand the company. You know, is the, is that, that CTO, let's suppose, coming from a company that's a financial services company or from an aerospace company? Again, I'd have a very different conversation. And then over time, as, you know, these are considered purchases, right, it's expensive software, so, you know, it's not $5, so people are thinking about it over over months um, and researching. They want to understand, well, okay, was it just one CTO who came once from that financial services company, or was it, yeah, that person came, but then there were, you know, two other and, and then five other, and actually now this week there's been 50 people on the site, right? That's a very different right. scenario than, you know, if that one CTO came once to two months ago and never came back and so every day just gathering all of that data you can see it kind of the two levels of that well what's happening for this financial services company and what's happening for that person who's on right now and brings that all together so that Citrus can give the best relevant experience to kind of take the person the next step down the funnel to hopefully sign up for a sales demo or free trial
0: so it, turn, it turns out there are multiple people from that CTO staff that are communicating or, or searching with with the supplier. Are you going to send different messages to those two that are on the same staff? And is that possibly a hornet's nest?
2: Yes, it's a very important point. Uh, let's just take a very simple example of that: A/B testing. So, as part part of, of personalization and and good customer experience, we're talking about websites is A/B testing, and you simply want to test. You know, does this mess? Work well for these kind of people, or this for that. Classically, with A/B testing, you're going to run into this problem where, yeah, the the, uh, two different people in the CTO staff are there, and they might see two different offers. You're like, wait, you're telling him I got a 20% discount, whereas I got a 10% right, right. You're talking about this this way versus it's confusing. So it's very important, even in your A/B testing, that you are able to identify. Oh, all these people are from the same company. Let's make sure that we. You know we test this fine, but let's test it so that everybody from you know company one sees message a whereas everybody from company two sees message b. that's a that's a simple example but um but no but if you're thinking that through on the personalization front, it actually might be appropriate that you know Bob and and Susie the um, different things, even though they're on the same staff. Bob has shown a lot of interest in this aspect, and so you want to show him some blogs that, that are relevant to that, where Susie's shown interest in this other aspect, so you want to show her what's more relevant to her. So you're both talking at that individual level, while keeping in mind, you know, or in the, in your algorithms, the the consistency across the account.
0: So, and, and that's similar to what it is a salesperson would do. So I, I go back to you thinking about you're in the store and what's that salesperson trying to do? And you're trying to automate that process. So the salesperson, when they're talking to the CTO, is gonna talk differently than when they're talking to the CFO of that same organization. And so it, it is that adaptation to who it is that you're talking to that's in that in that business unit or decision-making unit. And so I think that makes sense. I think the the analogy really helps us quite a bit. So you've been working on something uh, called the Data Science Workbench. You've been doing that for some of your clients. What is that?
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a recent release we're very excited about. Generally, our solution is is meant for business people. So marketers, product managers, customer success people, analysts are living in there day in and day out. And it's a machine learning driven solution. But what we've done is made it easy for business people to understand it, use it, and apply it in, in these kinds of use cases we've been talking about, people plus machine together. But um, And so that's great, and we'll continue. But many of our uh, larger customers have come to us and said, look, we have our own data science teams, and they're doing all sorts of interesting work around the same area with unifying customer data and leveraging it for personalization. What we love to be able to do is let our data scientists at at every gauge. And they, go, they look at our interface, and they like it, but they say, you know, you're not letting me use my data science tools that I live in day out and really crunch it in the way that I want to um, with a classic interface. So we've enabled a, a workbench, really, for them where they can come and use the tools that they use day in and day out, them being the data scientists, um, so they can work hand-in-hand with their business counterparts all in EverGage.
0: And do they have to come in-house to do that, or you, you provide that to them? Um, remotely.
2: Oh no! Yeah, it's um, it's a um, through a web interface. Basically, they're just sure. interfacing with it remotely.
0: Well, they must be loving that. It sort of is. You're you're giving them the tools to use your machine learning capability and and test out various things.
2: That's right. Yeah. So it's it's been pretty exciting.
0: And do you let them design their own A/B test?
2: Exactly. They can. They can. They have the full power of whatever of our platform plus whatever they can do with their own algorithms, with their own testing, we put those two together.
0: Okay, I th- I think that sounds great and I think that could energize a lot of people. So let me let me ask you, what is it so I think the workbench is great. What is it you're also working on that you're really excited about? Anything else or is that sort of the cutting edge for what you're working on right now?
2: Now, two other things I think are worth mentioning. One is just our continual investment in what we call our customer data platform, which is the ability to um, bring data in and out of us very easily. We, As you can probably tell, we're sitting fairly centrally, building up this understanding and then using it to change experiences and and engagement. And so companies want to get more data into us and more out of us. And the data science workbench is kind of one sub-example of that. But broadly, this customer data platform um, capability allows people to do that. Uh, easily, in a complex environment. So we keep investing there, and the second is just as you probably expect, more and more machine learning. I, I would say right now our machine learning has been focused on who and what. You know, who is this person? Let me understand them really well, and then what should I say to them? Um, what should I, I talk to them about? A product, an article, a, you know, an email, et etc. What we're working on is how and when. So how should I best engage with them? Should I? Should I send them an email now? Should I you know, and when you know is this the right time? Should I SMS them? or should I just shut up? <laughs> you know maybe in the case of some of the emails you got today, you know sometimes less is more. Would it be better to wait until I have something more valuable to say um, and then talk that so that that's a big area focused
0: us. yeah, make, making that decision is a tough one. I think it's a really important one. I think my last question that I have for you is I'm, I'm going to ask you to put your your futuristic hat on. And I'm, I'm real curious, if I look five, 10 years out, how's this whole space gonna change? Where are we gonna be?
2: That's a good question. With all the caveats of who can see the future, here, here's what I, I think. So I'll say a negative view and a positive view. The, okay. the negative view is I, I, think we'll, I think we will look back in a sense and kind of laugh at the state of the art today, the way we might laugh at an AOL dial dial up from, from the You're early right. <laughs> Internet. No, no fault to them. They were innovating, but it looks kind of silly now. And I, I think we'll look back and laugh and say, really? People sent out a million you know, one email to this, a million people, the same email, you know, they had websites where it was just left to the visitor to hunt and peck. So I think there'll be that. It will be such a common experience that your experience, your the engagements you get from companies are personalized that will kind of laugh if they weren't. Um, I also, and on the, on the, that's starting on the positive side. The other thing on the positive side is I think we'll see a virtuous cycle happening where and I, I already see it with a lot of the companies we work with, the uh, that those who get um good at this will will grow more rapidly than those who don't and in the sense of i'm building a relationship with you i'm leveraging your data you give me a little bit you see what i do with it i do a good job at at it i personalize your experience in a helpful way like wow that was actually really helpful the next time they ask when i have an opportunity i'm going to give them a little bit more because they're going to give a better and better experience to me and as that happens Certain companies will know more and more about you, be able to give you better and better experiences. You'll trust them more and more. Whereas those who are caught in the downward cycle on the other side will, will get trapped in a way that we'll, they won't be able to get out of it. And we'll see that you know we've been talking about the customer centricity, the customer at the center of everything. We'll, we'll go there in a way that we hadn't thought possible before because we'll be able to understand customers so well and treat them so well. Build such good
0: relationships. I so, think Darwin's Darwin's in. theories are going to be more applicable to business than they've ever been to people. So, um, yeah, I, I so I think that's exactly what it is that's going to happen. Carl, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, please do stay with us, uh, everyone. We're, we're going to need to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll take your calls on anything marketing, branding, and metrics in the last 15, 20 minutes of the show. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Or you can send us an email at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. This is Business Radio powered by the Wharton School on SiriusXM 132.